Okay, so good morning and welcome to our show today. Uh, this is a program I've, I've never done before, although some of the material I'm sure will be familiar to my long timers, but I was excited to put it all together in, in one place, so to speak. So the title of today's show was something along the lines of, you know, want to have more real estate business? Do less. So what do I mean by that exactly? Am I saying that you should try to relax a little more, not work so hard all the time? Or am I saying that you should try to work fewer hours a week instead of working more hours in the week? Or maybe I'm suggesting that you hire an assistant or find a partner so that you're working less hard instead of more hard? Um, no, actually, not at all. In fact, nothing that I tell you today is going to necessarily reduce the hours in a day or the hours in a week that you work, although it certainly may redistribute them and change what it is that you're actually doing during your work day. I'm actually a big believer in working hard. I think it's great to work long hours, but, and this is a big but, when you're working those long hours, you know, doing it intelligently and getting the most bang out of those hours that you're working. Now, not to mention that you're working those long hours because you actually want to because you enjoy what you're doing and you want to do it as opposed to you know dreading getting up in the morning and facing your full day of hard work. And that's what's always kind of befuddled me about the traditional vision of a real estate career. It it sounded absolutely dreadful to me and I couldn't imagine why anybody would even want to go into real estate if they knew ahead of time what they would be expected to do. Um, with regards to you know what they actually do all day. When I was intrigued by the idea of a real estate career back um, when I bought my first four houses before I got my license, um, I was intrigued by it. I was excited about it because of what I saw my agent doing, and it looked like fun to me. I mean, what I actually saw her doing for me. Um, and not to mention, I um, thought maybe I could do it better. So I signed up for real estate school. I passed the test. And then I was kind of stunned when I started talking to real estate brokers about working in their offices, and they told me what would be expected of me to build my career. Huh, I thought. That doesn't sound like fun. Um, and frankly, even to my naive new agent mind, honestly, it didn't sound like anything that would actually work. But what did I know? Well, apparently, I wasn't as naive as I feared. Um, I did real estate my way from day one, and I did okay. Um, and maybe fortunately, I worked from home most So I really wasn't subjected to the, the pressure to do things, quote, unquote, their way. So what is it I'm talking about? Okay, what am I talking about when I talk about they, what they expect you to do, and their way? Well, I'm talking about the good old numbers game, that game that the gurus insist that real estate is all about, and if you want to be successful, you must play it and play it and play it with lots of enthusiasm and passion. So what exactly is the numbers game? Well, here's the funny thing. When I Googled real estate numbers game to see what came up, see if there was a you know handy-dandy definition there of what it actually meant, you know, other than in my mind. It was funny, if you do that right now, Google real estate numbers game, see what comes up first. For me, 
it was an article that I wrote back in 2006. was the very first thing that that showed up. I thought that was funny. Um, maybe that's just because my computer recognized that it was me. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, if you guys are sitting on your computer, re- Google real estate numbers game and see if you see an article by me. Anyway, um, that article was um, specifically about running a sphere of influence-based business. And that's really not our topic today, although I'm sure that it will come up. But I wanted to read you a few excerpts from from that article since it ranks so high on Google. Okay, here goes. You've heard the cold caller's philosophy. For every 100 phone calls you make, you'll get five appointments. For every five appointments you go on, you'll get one listing. Therefore, if you make 500 phone calls, you can count on five listings as a result. If your average listing commission is $5,000, then every phone call is worth $50 because it takes 100 phone calls to get a listing. Supposedly, you will actually start to enjoy each rejection because you realize that 99 no's equal a yes, which leads to a paycheck, since every no means you're one step closer to a yes. Sound fun? Not to me. In fact, it sounds like an awful way to make a living. Pestering people for three hours a day, asking the poor sap who answers the phone if he knows anyone who's thinking of buying or selling real estate. Being rejected 99 times out of 100 voluntarily? Ich, phooey, wah. So, tell us how you really feel, Jennifer. Okay. And then in that article, I go on to talk about the numbers game of running a sphere of influence-based business. But anyway, that's a taste of what I mean by the numbers game. Or another way to put it might be to take a quantity over quality approach to your real estate career, where you take the philosophy that you need to blank as many people as possible in order to be successful. And by blank, I'm not saying anything naughty, but rather to fill in that blank with words like call or mail to or pop by or maybe just a generic touch with with your marketing message. Now on the surface I suppose this makes some sense because if you know certainly if a hundred people get a generic postcard from you, that's certainly better than ten people getting a generic postcard from you, right? Or if let's say you get and respond to a hundred web leads a day then that's better than getting and responding to 10 web leads a day. Or if you call up 100 friends and ask them if they know anybody who wants to buy or sell real estate, that's obviously better than calling up just 10 and asking them that same question, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Now, to to clarify that, if you're using the exact same numbers game feeling approach with 100 people versus 10 people, um, then yes, I suppose you will need to do it you know, more rather than less. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to present to you 10-ish common numbers game scenario that you've almost certainly been encouraged to try, maybe even you have tried them. Um, and I'm going to give you an alternative to them that will, one, probably work better, or at least work as well, but probably better, and two, will be far more enjoyable and sustainable for you if you happen to be a real estate agent who is attracted to the sell-whistle approach to real estate. Okay, so again, here's the premise of the show today. I'm going to present um, around 10, depending on time, around 10 different 
um, numbers game, quantity over quantity approaches to being a successful real estate agent that are sort of traditional real estate, and I will give you alternatives to them that will, you know, hopefully be better and more enjoyable for you. Uh, I guess it's maybe it's kind of obvious, I don't know, but that what I'm what I'm going to tell you basically is, I mean, I'm not going to say, okay, if you do this a hundred times, you'll do it better. If you do it ten times, you know, that's not the point. Um, I'm going to, you know, something that say the gurus want you to do a hundred times, let's say. I'm going to give you an alternative that isn't doing the same thing, only doing it ten times. I guess that's probably pretty obvious. Another thing that may become obvious here, and maybe not, I don't know, is that I think you'll probably start to feel a theme after I've given you, you know, two or three or four of these strategies to where, okay, if this is one approach, how about this? And I think they're all going to have a little bit in common, so you're going to go, okay, I know what she's going to say. But, you know, hang in there. I've got some stories to share and, you know, just anecdotes. So, um, all right, let's get going. Okay, let's start. I'm just going to – these are in no particular order. So let's start with web leads. Let's talk about web leads. Now, I must tell you up front, I never did web leads. I don't know how it works. I have a suspicion how it works, but I don't really know. But my understanding of the whole web lead thing is that you have something out there on the Internet, whether it's something you pay for, whether it's something that's organic, um, maybe it's your IDX, I don't even know. I, I'm out of the loop on that, so I don't know where web leads exactly come from, so bear with me. But let's say you know that you're getting some web leads coming in. These are strangers to you. You don't know them, but somehow they found you online, and they give you their contact information. Either they give it to you voluntarily, like, oh, I sure hope this real estate agent calls me, or they give it to you involuntarily because you have something they want and they have to enter their contact information to get it. So web leads. So a few years ago, I got a phone call from a newer real estate agent who, I don't know what he was doing, but he was doing something that was generating web leads, and he was pretty excited about it. But what he wanted from me, Jennifer Allen Hagedor, an author of Sell with Soul, he wanted some canned responses, some scripts that he could use um, to respond to all of these web leads. He was getting a lot of them, as I recall. So he was pretty jazzed up about that, but he didn't have time to respond to all of them personally, obviously, he said. Um, and he wanted to know if I had anything he could send them back in response that wouldn't sound canned, that would sound personal, um, and that would get him the business. So I thought about that. I'd actually never been asked that question before, so I thought about it. And two things jumped out at me about his question. One of them was, can you give me something that's canned but doesn't sound canned? Can you give me something that's not personal but sounds personal? And I thought, well, no, not really, okay? And then the other thing, of course, was he said, obviously, I don't have time to respond to all of these web leads personally. So we, we dug into that. And so first let's deal with the fact I don't have time to respond to them personally. Now, this was a newer agent, as I recall. And so I kind of, I didn't say this to him, but I kind of said it to myself. I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what else are you doing? Are you really that busy that you don't have time to respond to people personally? That was my thought. But then also kind of to me the obvious, how do you make something that's canned not canned? How do you make something that's impersonal personal? 
And to my way of thinking, you can't. Okay, so here was the conversation that we had. As I said, okay, let's say you're getting, and I think it's, I think he was saying he was getting a hundred. Now I don't know how he was doing that. I don't know if it was a hundred a week or a hundred a day, but it was like a lot. And I said, okay, so let's say, what if you took an hour a day? Well, let me back up. So basically, what he was looking for, and what I understand about web lead auto-generated responses, is that somebody submits their information it goes into your program and then you send them back you know a thank you for your inquiry I'll be in touch soon in the meantime blah 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 and I'd love to help you and let me know if you have any I mean you know just a canned response right dorky canned response so and then I'm assuming if the agent is a little more technologically advanced or their you know the program is at that point then they put them on a drip mail system and so you are able to very quote unquote efficiently communicate with people without really lifting a finger. So it would be very easy for you to respond to a hundred, five hundred, a thousand web leads that come in and it wouldn't take any of your precious time. Now I don't know what the ratios are, the success ratios of this approach. I'm guessing some of you can probably tell me. My guess is they're pretty low. That if you send out a hundred of these canned responses, maybe you'll make a connection with one person or two people, or maybe none. I don't know. Um, if I think about it, I'll tell you another story related to that here in a minute. But in any event, what if, let's say, you are getting, let's just use the number a hundred. You're getting a hundred web leads, whether that's a day or a week or a month or whatever, but you're getting a hundred of them. A couple things. First of all, what if you took an hour a day, an hour a day to deal with your web leads? And when I say deal, I mean respond personally. So let's say you get 100. You're going through your web leads, and some of them are going to speak to you more than others. Some of them are going to be about something you're not remotely interested in, you know, so maybe a, a property or a part of town or a, a situation that is not interesting to you. Some of them are going to be fake. You know, some of them some of them are not going to speak to you at all. But some of them will. Let's say that you got an inquiry on a particular house that you've actually been in, maybe it's your own listing, maybe a neighborhood that you specialize in, maybe the person had a really cool sounding name and you thought, you know, I'd like to connect with that person. But let's say that some of these web leads actually look pretty good to you. What if you took your hour a day, shoot, I don't care, an hour a week, but an hour, and sent as many personal responses to these, to these inquiries as you can. Maybe that's one, maybe that's 10, maybe that's 20. But I can tell you, well, I can tell you it's not one. You can probably personally respond to somebody who writes to you in a minute or two, Okay, so I mean you could easily respond to 10 in an hour, maybe even 20 or 30 if you're, you know. Now, are your personal responses novels? No, of course not. And in fact, probably your responses are going to be similar to everybody, but you personalize it, you customize it to each person. So if they're writing on a particular home, you respond back with information about that home and that neighborhood and an anecdote. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be a novel. But in two or three minutes, you can come up with a pretty decent response that is very clearly personal. Okay, So let's say you take your hour a day and you respond to your web leads personally, and let's say that that's 10. 
let's say that you can get 10 done in an hour. I'm thinking you're going to have a lot better response to your personal responses, to your personal replies, than you would for sending out these, you know, these silly drip mail systems. Now, one quick thing you could do, and I, then if you do, if you do insist on doing drip mails, which I'm not a fan of at all, but let's say that you want to do them and your drip mail is okay, it's not silly, is you can always ask somebody, hey, I have an informational newsletter that I'd like to put you on. Is that okay? Do you mind if I do that? And if they say, yeah, actually, you know, if they write back and say, yeah, actually, that's, that would be great, then you can put them on your little drip mail system and, um, you know, go from there. Instead of just automatically shoveling everybody on it, that's happened to me and I get irritated. I'm like, this person doesn't care about me. They just, you know, they just consider me a lead. So that is... Quality over quantity strategy one, respond personally to web leads, even if it means you don't respond to all of them. Okay, let's talk um, next about listing appointments. And a couple stories here to tell you. is This occurred, to, and what I'm talking about is taking a quality over quantity approach to, to listing appointments. There was a program going around, I'm going to say it was in 2010, 2011. I believe it was a Keller Williams program, but I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it was a Keller Williams program. And it was a big go-get listings program, you know, that, hey, if you sign up for this program, you'll have more listings than you can ever imagine. Um, you know, let's go get them. And I wrote a blog about it at the time, so this may sound familiar to you. But I had an agent I was working with who was all revved up about this program. And he said, and he told me, and this is what the blog's about, he said, this one agent who's doing it had 41 listing appointments in 30 days. She got 41 listing appointments in 30 days. And he was like, that is the coolest thing. I can totally do this. And I thought, well, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. Until I started thinking about the actual logistics of getting 41 listing appointments in 30 days. So I don't know about you, but when I would go on listing appointments, I would prepare for them. You know, I was very prepared for them. And I spent time at my listing appointments. And I came home from my listing appointments and spent more time on it. And then if I got the listing, which I usually did, if I got the listing, then there's a lot of work to do, you know, after you get the listing. That, you know, And so I'm picturing this mega agent going on 41 listing appointments in 30 days and thinking, my gosh, how do you do that? Well, the answer is, to my way of thinking, is it's possible to do. Of course it's possible. But are you doing a really quality job? Or are you just going out, meeting with people for a half an hour between 2.10 and, you know, 2.35, 2.40, and, you know, presenting your little canned standard stuff and then, you know, heading out for your next listing appointment? Um, that would be my guess. So think about doing 41 kind of half-assed listing appointments versus doing, say, 10 good ones. My guess is if you do 10 good listing appointments where you prepared for them, where you're not rushed, where you're not treating somebody like a number, where you go back to the office, you do your homework, you contact the people like a professional does, and then if you get the listing, you actually do a good job putting the listing on the market, my guess is your results will be at least as good as the person doing the 41 listing appointments, probably better, but I don't know about you, I'd rather do 10 good listing appointments than 41 bad ones. 
I mean, 41 listing appointments is a lot of work. I guess if you're not putting any work into it, it's not. But, um, I, I mean, that sounds exhausting to me. I would much rather do 10 and get all 10 listings than 41 and maybe get 10 of them. Okay? So that's kind of a big picture philosophy. I mean, I don't know many real estate agents who have the opportunity to do 41 listing appointments in a month. But if you're doing a program or that if you're thinking, hey, my goal is to do as many listing appointments as I possibly can because that's good for business, I guess I'll just challenge you to rethink that a little bit, is to say, do I really want to have that many opportunities to get in front of somebody knowing I can't do a good job? And if I do a good job, guess what? I'll get a higher percentage of the business because I will impress people. Okay, so um, something to think about. All right, the next um, quality versus quantity real estate approach is expired listings and for sale by owners. Now, we all tend to group those into, you know, one category, expireds and for sale by owners, and they're really not. They're two very different audiences. Um, They have a lot in common. Obviously, they're both sellers, and they're both an audience that it takes a little bit of nerve to work up you know, to to actually contact, and they're both known for being a little hostile to real estate agents, although I can't blame them. I have been both. I have been an expired listing, and I've been a sort of a for sale by owner, and I can definitely assure you that there's a reason these people are hostile to real estate agents who contact them, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. So if you've ever done an expired listing program or a for sale by owner program, you've probably, again, been encouraged to do to contact as many of these people as you possibly can. So, you know, 10 expired listings a day, 20 a day, 100 a week, whatever that number is, you know, five for sale by owners a day, 20 a week, whatever, okay? Um, and so with the philosophy that more is more, more is better, the more that you contact, the more likelihood it is that you're going to get your foot in the door. And again, like I said, you're probably going to start feeling a theme here, I disagree. I have been on the other end of those phone calls, and you can just picture the person on the other end of the phone, the real estate agent on the other end of the phone, has a list he's working from, hoping, one, that somebody answers the phone call, and that they are so you know, excited to hear from this guy that they will invite him over to sign, you know, to sign his listing agreement. But I can tell you that almost everyone who has contacted me as a for sale by owner or a an expired listing, they weren't prepared for me. They had no idea anything about my property. They didn't even know where it was. They were just basically making phone calls. And I tell you, as somebody on the other end of the line, I was pretty underwhelmed. I was not interested in talking to these people. Now, there have been a few who called me during these um, during these times of my life that Either they were just really good at bluffing or they had actually done a little bit of homework. And I talked to them. And one of them I almost hired. Um, because they showed interest in me, they knew what they'd actually looked at the property. You know, they looked on the MLS. They, they were familiar with it. When I asked them questions, they could answer me. They didn't have three phone lines going, um, which I guess is something people actually do. I don't know. But So if you want to approach for sale by owners and expired listings, which I think is a fine thing to do if you want to do it, approach it again, quality over quantity. Instead of trying to call 10 a day, call one a day. 
and be prepared for that one phone call. If you're calling an expired listing, um, do 20, 30 minutes of homework before you pick up that phone. It's not going to hurt you. Okay? Um, be prepared to talk to that seller about their home, about their situation. Okay? Not just, you know, I see your listing expired. Were you aware of that? No? Oh, my goodness. Or, you know, any number of, of strategies I've heard for expired listings. Same for a for sale by owner is do your homework before you contact a for sale by owner. Don't just start calling off Craigslist or wherever you find for sale by owners. You know, drive by the home. Take time to be prepared for these people and take a quality over quantity approach. Again, you may end up with the same number of successful listings. You may end up with one out of ten or five out of ten or five out of a hundred, whatever. But do it right. You know what I mean? Um, you know, approach 10 and get 5 instead of 100 and get 5. All right? So moving on to the next one, we'll just talk about good old generic cold calling, which is like, you know, very basic. You know, real estate 101 is, you know, back in the day, real estate agents who walked into a real estate office were – I mean, kind of figuratively, but even sometimes literally, handed a phone book, pointed to a phone, and said, you know, go at it. Um, there's a real estate agent who, at least he told me this, I, I never was sure if I believed it, but he was, he was serious, that his new broker literally sent him out to the Target parking lot to prospect for business in his first week of real estate. And he got arrested. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, that's like the, you know, real estate 101 is get out there and call people and hassle people and beg people for business. So anyway, cold calling. I mean, we all know what cold calling is. That's when you pick up the phone, you call somebody who has no interest in hearing from you, is not expecting to hear from you, and you ask them for business one way or another. And in 99 Point nine times out of a hundred, that person is not remotely interested in talking to you either because they don't appreciate being cold called, um, and even if they don't mind being cold called, they probably don't have any real estate business to give you. So clearly, this is a numbers game strategy, since the vast majority of people that you will be reaching out to, that you will be blanking, um, don't have anything for you. So you've got to call and call and call and call and call and call and call. So. What do you do instead? Well, in general, I would say don't do it, period. Just leave cold calling off your list and start going to lunch with friends or something else. But there are people who are good on the phone. And if you have considered cold calling, or maybe you've done some of it and you're not completely turned off, you might be one of those people who is good on the phone. And some people are. I have been cold called by a few people who I actually talk to because they were pleasant, they were confident, and they, they caught my interest. So if you're one of those people, and you actually want to call strangers, which I'm guessing you don't, but let's say you do, I still think there's far better ways than, than picking up a phone and calling strangers. But try to think of something, if you're going to call people and talk to them, you know, other than begging for business. And again, I don't know what that is, so I probably shouldn't have even mentioned this because I can't think of a good alternative to, <laughs> to cold calling. Um, some people would say warm calling, 
which basically means you call people you know and ask them for business, which I'm even more opposed to, as you probably know. So maybe the answer to, you know, not cold calling would be the warm calling where you actually call people you know and have a pleasant conversation with them that has absolutely nothing to do with real estate and certainly nothing to do with the fake Ford, F-O-R-D, you know, how's the family, how's the job, how's your recreation, and how's the dreaming going. Um, but, you know, could you come up with, let's say, five or ten bona fide reasons to call people and have a nice conversation with them that leaves both of you feeling good, you know. So, anyway, that's cold calling. I don't have a lot to, a lot of brilliance there. Um, let's see. Roger's asking, what about the DNC list? 75% of phone numbers are on the DNC list. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any point to cold calling. To me, just mark that off your list, period. If you are good at calling, though, some people are really good on the phone. If you're good, you know, then maybe harness a way, come up with a way to reach out to people on the phone that makes sense, that isn't annoying, that isn't pestering, that isn't self-serving. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a reason there's a do not call list. And what blows me away is that I would bet the vast majority of real estate agents who subscribe to a cold calling policy or um, whatever, cold calling um, that, that do it, they're on the do not call list. I just, how hypocritical is that? It drives me nuts. Okay. Um, okay. Where was I? Okay, next, um, quality over quantity strategy to real estate success, and that's what I call touching 100 or impressing one. I talk about this in one of my books. I don't remember what, which one, probably more than one. But basically, real estate marketing, personal marketing in real estate is almost exclusively based on touching as many people as you can with your marketing message, whether that's you know your name and number, whether it's your tagline, I mean, whatever it is, it's you're trying to touch as many people with your marketing message. And the more efficiently you can do that, the better. So let's say that you take that to heart and you touch 100 people a day or 100 people a week, whatever. And you touch them with a cold call or a, you know, a warm call, do you know anybody who needs to buy or sell real estate or with a um, postcard or, or whatever, some sort of sort of generic touching. But remember, it's got to be efficient because you're doing a lot of it. Well, I can tell you that efficient and effective are not the same thing. So, yes, you can efficiently touch 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people with a marketing message, but was it effective? Well, you tell me. I'm guessing most of you have not found these high-volume touching strategies to be all that effective. In fact, that was the story I wanted to tell you earlier was back in, I think it was 2009, 2008, 2009, I was approached by a marketing company to market my product, which was, I think I was, it was the Savvy Prospector, which was the precursor to my product, SOI with Soul. But it was the Savvy Prospector. It was a two or $300 product. Um, and I was approached by this company that said they had a mailing list of a million and a half real estate agents, and if I paid them $1,000, they would send out a blast email of the product, and you know, I would set the world on fire selling my savvy prospector. 
Well, I figured, okay, that's about as numbers game as you get with a million and a half real estate agents out there getting this email. I mean, shoot, if I just sell 10, if I just sell 20, if I just sell 100, I'm going to be in good shape, right? Okay, so I paid my $1,000. We put the marketing ad together with their help. And a couple of weeks later, I contacted the company. I said, when's it going out? Just curious. It went out last week. So this thing, this marketing, went out to a million and a half real estate agents, so they said, and I got not one order. Okay, so when you say, well, you know, I only need 1%, I only need 0.01%, it just doesn't work that way. I got no orders because I was able to very efficiently touch a million and a half people, theoretically, but nobody was impressed. Not a one person was impressed with what they saw. So that leads me to remember the title of this was Touch 100 or Impress 1. What if instead of trying to touch everybody on the planet with your marketing message, you try to impress one person a day? So instead of, you know, so, and by impress, I mean do something a little nicer for somebody than you have to do. That, you know, they wouldn't notice if you didn't do it, but they sure notice if you do. So do you have half an hour every day to do something nice for somebody that they aren't expecting, but that they'll remember? So maybe that's a client, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's another agent, um, maybe it's a, one of your service providers, but something nice for somebody, one person, every day that they will remember. So think about that numbers game. If you touch 100 people a day very efficiently, but you touch them with a marketing message that, you know, they don't remember, okay, at the end of the year, what that, what's that, 100 times 365, whatever that number is, 36,000, is that right? So you've touched 36,000 people, but what if you've impressed 365? Okay, I have a feeling that you're impressing 365 people in a year is going to bring you a lot more positive business results than touching 36,000 and some with a message that they don't remember five seconds later. Okay? Where are we time-wise? Oh, we're good. Okay. Now, let me take a little interlude here before I hit the last few. And that is to remind everybody here that real estate is not a volume business. What I mean by that is you as a real estate agent do not need 10 clients a day. You probably don't need 10 a week. If you got one good client a week, one new good client a week, that's 52 clients in a year. And for most people, that would be a good year. So when I'm talking about doing these things in a quality manner, in a personal manner, and you say, oh, I don't know that I have time for that, I don't know if I have time for that, remember that every single new client you get or every single referral that you get, frankly, every new person that you meet has the potential to change your year. So instead of looking at the world as a whole lot of people that need to know you're a real estate agent, look at the world as one person that day who you would like to impress, who you would like to connect with, that you would like to interact with, who could possibly 
lead you to your biggest client ever, could be your biggest client ever, or not. But one person can make a difference in your year. And those of you who have been doing real estate for any time at all can, would probably agree that there are probably a few people in your career that have crossed your paths, probably completely serendipitously, and have made a significant difference to your career. I had three or four of them in my early days. And, you know, they brought hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business to me. And they certainly weren't anybody that I cold called or door knocked or popped by or anything like that. So just keep in mind that real estate is a what I call a one, one warm body at a time business, not a volume business. Get out there every day and find one person who might make a difference to your business. Okay? Questions or comments on any of that? Bring them in. Okay. Um, well, I just talked about that. Okay. Uh, let's talk about lunch dates, just because that was such a huge factor in my early success. And, you know, again, we talk about touching 100 people. Um, how about going to lunch twice a week with friends? Now, when I say lunch, I don't necessarily mean lunch. It could be lunch, it could be coffee, it could be happy hour, it could be really anything that you get together with somebody that you enjoy spending time with and spend time with them doing something we all like to do, eating and drinking, um, for an hour or so catching up. If you do that twice a week, 52 weeks out of the year, then you will have had a pleasant interaction with somebody more than 100 times. Okay, not the same person, obviously, although you can certainly go to lunch with the same person more than once in a year. But just, you know, do the math on that. Spending quality time with somebody whose um, company you enjoy and they enjoy your company and not sales pitching them to death at all, don't sales pitch them at all, that can add up to some serious, serious good business coming your way. Um, if you attended the show I did um, the My Secrets of My Success that I did back in August, I said that lunch dates, especially in my first year, were an enormous factor in that I was Rookie of the Year runner-up, that I sold 25 houses in my first full year. So, um, yeah, spending an hour with somebody who enjoys your company, that you enjoy their company, tremendous use of your time. Much better than sitting back at the office, um, you know, shoveling out kind of well, I won't say it. Okay. Um, kind of along the same lines, and this is something I've, I've talked about a lot, so you've probably heard it before if you've been around, and that is my be pleasant to 10 people a day approach to sphere of influence, sphere of influence building. A lot of people come into real estate without a strong sphere of influence. They don't know that many people. They know maybe 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, and you know they don't know any of them that well. And so they say, well, how do I meet people? Do I need to join clubs? Do I need to go volunteer? Do I need to um, join Toastmasters? You know, what do I do to meet people? And sure, you can do any of those things, but to me, the simplest way to start meeting people is to go out in the world where people happen to be and be pleasant to the people you find there. I say 10 people a day. I don't care if it's five people or 20 people, but intentionally be pleasant to 10 people every single day. Now, what is being pleasant to 10 people a day going to accomplish for you? Well, one, it's going to put you in a good mood, I promise you, because I am not 
a naturally pleasant person. But when I'm out in the world and I happen to decide to be pleasant, um, oh my gosh, my day goes so well, and I just find more and more awesome people to be pleasant to, and they are certainly pleasant back to me. Now, if you're pleasant to 10 people a day, chances are one of them, maybe every day, maybe every other day, is going to be somebody that you actually end up having some sort of relationship with, not best friends or anything, but somebody that you find something in common and you interact with them again and they become a member of your sphere of influence. So, again, we're, you know, instead of calling a whole bunch of people every day, asking them if they know anybody who needs to buy or sell real estate, just get out there and build your sphere of influence by being pleasant to people so that they will be more inclined to want to hear from you, to want to have something to do with you in the future. So be pleasant to 10 people a day. Okay? I have two more strategies, and then I'll get to the questions if there are any. The next one, again, is something my long-timers have probably heard about a time or two, and that's what I call bonding instead of branding. Now, most real estate agents, when they go into real estate or they've been doing it a little while, is they want to create a brand. They want to create a tagline. They want to create a marketing persona that they can get out there and market to strangers with. And a lot of times what an agent will do, and this is a fine thing to do, is try to attract, try to attract people to them that, um, that, that are like-minded people to them. And so a very common thing um, for real estate agents to want to do is to market, say, to green people, um, you know, like tree hugger, you know, environmentally concerned. You know, they say, hey, I think I'm going to be the environmentally aware real estate agent, and so I can attract, you know, that sort of person to me. It's a fine thing to do. Or if you have a hobby or a passion or something, like for me personally, I save dogs. Um, all day long. So if I were going to go into real estate, it would be very tempting for me to brand myself as the dog-saving realtor. Well, so what you do with that is then you go out and you pay a graphics designer a bunch of money to design a brand, and then you pay somebody a bunch of money to distribute your brand and to market it, hoping to attract people to you. And that's fine. Um, However, a lot of real estate agents don't have the um, financial resources to do that, especially if they're in business building mode. So what I recommend you do instead is spend that time and money and go participate in the community that you have a passion about, that you have an interest in. So if you are indeed an environmentally aware person, go join a group of environmentally aware people and just become a part of that community, bond with those people and they will become a far better source of business for you than somebody who, you know, just sees an ad in a newspaper that they didn't read, you know, about the environmentally aware real estate agent. Um, personally, you know, my I have a rescue community that I am heavily involved in, and if I were to fire up my real estate license right now, I wouldn't need to do any personal marketing. I would just tell my community that, oh, hey, I have a real estate license now, and I'm positive. I would get a bunch of business from that without a cute tagline or, you know, any sort of marketing or graphics because I have built up the bonds in that in that community. I've built up those relationships. So, um, one last one, and then I'll take questions. And that's open houses. If you do open houses, and 
you know, I hate open houses, but I did them, and I would probably do them again if I went back into real estate. If you do open houses, obviously the primary reason you're there is to sell the house, at least it should be. But let's go ahead and talk about the other reason that you're there, and that is to pick up buyers, maybe even sellers. But people who come in the open house, you hope to connect with them, and maybe they will consider you as their real estate agent if they have the need. So traditionally what you do is you put a sign-up sheet up front, and everybody signs in, and then you follow up with everybody afterwards, although you probably don't because it's kind of overwhelming, and you let's say you had a good open house and you've got 20 names on there. You follow up with everybody, and nobody calls you back, and so the next time you do it, you're like, oh, I don't really want to do it, and you end up not following up with anybody. So my recommendation for open houses is you don't worry about following up with everybody. You don't bother with a sign-in sheet. You just, if there's somebody who comes in that you connect with, you have a good conversation with that is looking for something that you're knowledgeable about or for whatever reason you feel good about this person and they seem to feel good about you, then connect with them. Let everybody else go. Don't worry about the other people. If someone comes in and they don't seem interested in talking to you, then let them go. Never think about them again. Someone comes in and they say that, you know, they've talked to every real estate agent in town and you're like, well, you know, okay, I don't, I don't need that, then let them go. But come out of every open house thinking, if I connect with one person, maybe two people, then it was a successful open house. Reach out to those people. That's not overwhelming. That's not going to freak you out because these were people that you actually connected with. So you'll do it. After the open house, you'll reach out to that one, maybe those two people. And I think that you'll have a lot better results in actually – um, I hate the term, but closing your um, relationships with with the people that you meet at open houses. So, okay, that those are the strategies. I don't know how many of those were. I think it was more like eleven. But um, let me see if I have any questions here and any questions or comments. So if you have any of those, go ahead and um, get those in to me right now because I am going to be off the phone by the bottom of the hour. So. Um, okay, Jeff's asking, how about doing homework on a FISBO and then calling to ask the owner if you could preview? Um, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Is, you know, don't just call somebody cold and ask them for business. Think about if you were a for sale by owner and put yourself in those shoes. And I've been there. Put yourself in those shoes and a real estate agent calls you and they actually know something about your house and sound interested in your home and helping you, wouldn't you be a lot more inclined to have a conversation with them? Okay? So, yeah, that's exactly it, Jeff. That's exactly the approach. And I'll tell you what, if you use that approach, I would challenge anybody who really wants to do for sale by owners, and I would probably do it if I went back into real estate, is try it, I don't know, 10 times. Do it my way 10 times. If you get nowhere, then maybe just say, you know what, I'm not going to do for sale by owners. I just, I honestly can't even imagine that the kind of the shotgun approach, of the throw it against the wall approach really works for anybody. So do it right. Okay, do it right. Do it in a quality manner. And if it doesn't work for you, then fine. Just mark for sale by owners off your list and, you know, go figure out something that does work for you. Okay? Um, let's see. Evie's saying that um, she gets some web leads by people who are just Googling her area 
and they find her and they contact her and she responds right away and she says they're always delighted to hear from her. Yeah, that was um, how I found one of my real estate agents and she actually picked up the phone and called me and I was so impressed. She was really friendly. She was very nice and helpful and um, I was so impressed by that that um, I, in fact, I mentioned her in, in my first book because I was so impressed with with how good she was. So, Okay, Annette, I'm a new agent. I would like to reach out to established agents and offer to host their open houses for them with the hopes that I can meet people. What would be an impressive approach in your opinion? What could I offer these agents that adds value to their world and allows me to host their open houses? Thank you. Oh, Annette, I love your attitude. I love, I love your attitude. You are so asking the right question. Thank you. I'm impressed. Um, well, I don't know how new you are. It sounds like you're fairly new. Um, when I was in real estate, and things have changed, so bear with me if I'm completely like old-fashioned here, but when I was in real estate, established agents are thrilled when new agents offer to hold open houses for them. Um, typically, established agents hate open houses. Um, I hated them, but I did them, but I hated them. And so if somebody came along that I felt was presentable, that I felt would represent me and my seller professionally, and they wanted to do an open house, I would be completely thrilled to let them. You don't have to bribe them. You don't have to seduce them. You don't have to beg them. Um, they will let you do it, okay, if you're presentable, if you you know seem like you're a professional person. And what I would do in that situation, this is exactly what I did, was you know ask the agent to take you to the home, to show you around, to introduce you to the seller if that's applicable, um, to you know give you the lay of the land, and then you treat that agent like gold because an established agent who latches on to a new agent and is impressed by them can be a gold mine for that agent. In, and I mean that in a completely wonderful way. I had one of those my first year, and I'll never forget him. He was, he was amazing to me, and I was very appreciative. <laughs> and um, I did a lot of work for him, and it, it was it was a very mutually beneficial relationship. Um, you know, so do you have to pay a referral fee to the agent to hold the open house? No, you shouldn't. Um, that agent should be tickled pink that you want to do it. You can take your own brochures with your own name on them. Um, you can market the heck out of it. So one thing I will recommend would be to do an open house in a home and a neighborhood that you like. So if you're going to do open houses for other agents, uh, just you know try to pick properties and neighborhoods that you personally enjoy because you're going to have a lot better time you're going to, it's going to be a lot easier for you to connect with the visitors, to get excited about doing it, um, so that's something. Also, keep in mind that if you're doing an open house for another agent, you are representing their seller. So you must, first and foremost, market that home, not your own you know, um, needs for business. So um, I showed up at an open house once with a stack of brochures about other properties, not really thinking that the seller might not appreciate that. And guess what? The seller really didn't appreciate that. So I learned my lesson that you are in an open house, first and foremost, to promote that home. Okay, so don't ever forget that. It's just that's a way to um, upset somebody. So, okay, um, that looks good. We're almost at the bottom of the hour. So 
If you have any more questions about what I've talked about today, you know what to do. Just shoot me an email. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. I'm down here on the Gulf Coast, so we are watching that um, tropical depression or whatever it is heading toward us. So um, hope to see you all on the other side. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.